What's up, party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which just stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter if you would like, or you can follow me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, which I don't update all that much, but when I do, it's about Nancy Drew. God, that rocks. Uh, we are continuing with Season 6 today. This is Episode 3 of Season 6. We took last week off because I got a lot of shit going on. So we're doing Mystery of the Tolling Bell today, which is from 1946. So as you know, my personal belief is that Nancy and Ned didn't really commit themselves to each other until Ned left for World War II, which is not canonical. <laughs> we just know that he was in South America for a hot minute, and my personal belief is that he was chasing down Nazis. But anyway... So if one believes, as I do, that they were writing each other frantic romantic letters the entire time, and so when Ned returned from World War II, they were like, we need to consummate our love immediately. Um, that would mean that it happens in this book, or close to this book. So just keep that in mind while we're talking about it. So again, we're in 1946. This book picks up when Nancy, Bess, and George in the car on the way to a, a seaside resort town, as one does, because it's 1946, y'all, we've got some shit to do. So... Um, they're on their way to help Nancy's dad, who is working on a mystery involving Mrs. Chantry, who fucked up and gave all of her money to a Nigerian prince who emailed her with terrible grammar. No. Um, she was swindled on some sort of investment scheme, because I love these books, and that they're like, you know what, I really don't fucking care about the mechanism by which this happened. I just know that some people need to get kidnapped. So they ain't here for you to do some deep analysis on it. Although this one feels kind of noir-ish. So that's fun. Um, so, yeah, they're on their way to Candleton is actually the name of this place. And they, they're they looking at, like, they need a place to stop and eat because, of course, they fucking do. And Bess is like, yeah, I'm so hungry. And George is like, you need to diet. And you're like, George, fucking shut it. Like, just, just let your poor cousin have a fucking meal. Um, they keep seeing places on the side of the road that sell seafood because they're near the fucking sea. And Bess is like, I ain't here for seafood. And I'm like, bitch. You're going to a seaside town. Like, it's going to be full of shrimp and clams. Like, that's that's where you're going to live here. So, she's like, no. And it's advertising puffed shrimp, which I was like, puffed, I suppose it's like fried shrimp with something, helium possibly. Anyway, so everywhere is advertising that. And Nancy and George are like, yeah, hell yeah, let's let's do it. And Beth is like, I don't, I don't like seafood. I'm... I'm not in a, like, allergic way, just in a I've never really tried it and I'm not here for that shit way. So, yeah. So they eventually manage to stop on the side of the road and eat something. And George is like, it's mostly air. It's fine. Just just have a bite. And so Bess tries some and she's like, I wish it were steak, though. And you're like, I admire a girl who's like, you know what? I'd like some fucking steak right now. So I'm here for that shit. They have an expensive meal. In addition to the seafood, there were tomatoes, cabbage salad, potatoes, hot biscuits, lemonade, and for dessert, apple pie. And then Bess is like, I know that I just gained 12 pounds. So they decide that after they've had their meal that they're going to walk around. And they're in Fisher's Cove is where they've ended up during this part. And they hear this, like, one of those little carts that people have out that actually wheel around that they're selling shit out of. So they hear that and Nancy's like, Oh, let's, I mean, why not just go ahead and take that out? Um, so a woman is running the cart and as you know, spoiler alert, if you're foreign, you're a villain. Like 
Nancy Drew don't fuck around with this shit. Like it's it's like one percent of foreigners are worthy of our time, and the other ninety nine percent are here to take our money. So a foreign woman is running the card, and you're like, oh okay. So actually, no. The fun thing about a lot of these books is that the person who is attempting to swindle is just pretending that they're foreign, and you're like, oh, so it was capitalism all along, and you are correct. But so. They hear this cart, and Bess is like, oh, yes. Um, like, on the way up there, she was powdering her nose, like, just to establish the fact that Bess is a fan of cosmetics, as she should be. Um, so they're looking, and there's the cart, and they walk up to it, and it's this woman who is doing this terrible French accent, which I'm not even going to fucking attempt, because, oh, my God. And she's like, oh, this will make you beautiful. This will, this will get you a boyfriend. And Bess is like, Hell yeah, because George is like, remember how Bill stood you up for that party? And Bess is like, that's because we were coming here. Shut up. Also, yes, let's get some perfume. Fuck this shit. So they go to the cart and they're looking around and Madame is like, oh, you want the perfume? $7. And Bess is like, fuck, uh, that, that's a shit ton of money, which I looked up. That's like $100 for her to be selling some perfume off a cart for $100. And I'm like, you can get knockoff fragrances at Walmart for cheaper than this. So your impulse is correct, Bess. So Bess is like, I don't know. And so the woman un uncaps her sample bottle and you're like, I see where this is going and you are correct. So she uncaps the sample bottle and Bess is like, oh, that, that does smell pretty good. Mm, I, I don't know. So an, a bunch of other, and they call them country girls, walk up to the cart and they're like, oh my gosh, yes. And so the woman is just selling it a frantic pace, just caboodles worth of merchandise. She's just flinging into the crowd. I will give you this for $5. I will give you this for $7. I will throw this in for free. And you're like, it's Clinique bonus time, bitches. But anyway, so Bess eventually is like, well, she wants to get in on this shit because clearly there's a run on it. Um, and there's this one girl who is, they call her large boned and also kind of plain looking. And I'm like, y'all need to step off. Anyway, she is interested in the cosmetics as well. And so she's like, I don't know how to put these on. And the woman's like, I'll put them on you. So she takes her sample kit and like dolls her up real quick, like it's a Sephora. And the girl goes over to a window and she's like, I look so pretty. And then she, to Nancy and her friend's horror, says the book, she puts on more makeup and they're like, oh my God, no, you're making bad choices, but they don't say anything. I mean, it's, she needs to do her. If she wants to go out in that, she needs to do her. It's fine. So, um, there's a, this is the thing about 1946, y'all. Um, there's a horse and buggy that's coming down the road and I'm like, mm, legit though, legit. Anyway, um, so a horse and buggy comes down the road after Nancy and her friends have completed their purchases. Like, Bess bought, I think, a compact and some perfume. Um, so they're like, yeah, and then this horse and buggy comes down the road, and the horse goes out of control for reasons, for plot reasons. And the madame who is running the car, side note, the name of the fragrances slash cosmetics line is called Mon Coeur, which she's like, which means my heart, which is how I'm going to refer to it from now on, because you know what? Fuck it. I'm not good at French. There are too many invisible letters slash letters that you don't pronounce. Anyway, so the horse comes down like toward the cart, like it's out of control and the madame like runs off to save herself. She leaves the cart in the middle of the road. Nancy actually risks her damn life to run out there and save the cart full of shitty merchandise. And she wheels it to the side of the road. Madame is nowhere to be seen. And the horse, you know, and the horse keeps going. It's fine. Everything's fine. And Bess and George are like, oh my God, why did you, you should not have risked your life for this. And Nancy's like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. So this woman runs up to her and she's like, you swindled my daughter. And Nancy's like, um, pourquoi? She said after just swearing, she would not pronounce French. Um, 
guess it's French. Probably. Anyway, so the woman's like, you swindled my daughter. And Nancy's like, uh, who is your daughter? Like, let's just start with that information. And the woman's like, this girl over here, who you will remember earlier, was just applying makeup like there was no tomorrow. Um, She's like, you, you took her money and she was supposed to buy shoes with that money. And she bought your shitty merchandise. And Nancy's like, bitch, I ain't sold her nothing. Like, I was just moving this cart. She was like, you are wheeling the cart. And Bess and George are like, uh, she, she didn't sell her anything. And the woman's like, you're liars. You're all liars. Give the money back. And by that point, like a random doctor who was passing stops and was like, hello, I'm a doctor. And she did not sell that girl that stuff. Good day. And the woman's like, bullshit. I love how if it's a girl who's telling her I did not do this, she's like, fuck you. But the second a man walks up and says, hello, I am a doctor. And it is as she said, like, she's like, okay, seems legit. Anyway, so Nancy did not have to, which sometimes in these cases, Nancy ends up just handing over $10. She's like, okay, well, whatever, whatever the fuck, just take it. Which again is pretty incredible that she's like, I'm just going to pay you $150 to just shut the fuck up. But anyway, it's not quite that, but anyway, so Nancy and her friends look around and they're like, okay, the shit's been real weird. So that's cool. Um, they go to Candleton. They go to the, the name of the shop is the Sal Sandy shop. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that anywhere near what the ghostwriter intended me to say it as. Um, but that's the shop that Mrs. Chantry has decided to run because after she lost all of her money through investing in a Nigerian prince scheme, um, she decided to open a tea room slash gift shop. And I'm like, do they sell shells with things hot glued onto them? What kind of things happen in this gift shop? I don't know possibly exotic themed condoms. We don't know. Anyway, so they walk into the tea room and there's a lot of people waiting outside who look disgruntled and there's one waitress inside who looks very frazzled and then they go back to the kitchen and the way that you know that Mrs. Chantry, who is running this place, is frazzled is that she has a spot of tomato catsup on her apron and her hair is a bit askew and Nancy and her friends walk in and they're like, oh, hey, and the woman's like, oh my god, I can't believe you're seeing me this way. This is the worst. Oh my god. Why are you not in my house? Like, oh my god, I feel so embarrassed. And Nancy's like, girl, hey. She didn't say girl, hey. The woman is significantly older than her. Um, she was like, oh, l- let us help. Let us help. Just, it's okay. So, Frazzled waitress gets to assign them all tasks because, side note, of course, as you know, you know this, Nancy and her friends have all been waitresses before. Like, this is just a thing. This is a thing they do as a hobby. Y'all, they just do it as a hobby. They just walk into restaurants and they're like, are you shorthanded? I got this. So anyway, um, the waitress is like, okay, I'm going to have Bess working here with me because she seems like she'll, she'll be competent. Um, George gets to work in the kitchen for, I guess, boy haircut reasons. We have not yet referred to the fact that George decides to fashion her hair as short as the style will permit. We've just let that go for this one. Um, and Nancy gets to work on the outside, which apparently is full of people who are just ready to murder someone. So everybody's pretty nice after Nancy takes over, like, once she gets everything straight and finds out about the dishes, which, side note, they're, they have this thing called the Dandy Pie, which sounds like a horror show. It's like a fish pie with salmon mousse on top, and I'm like, everything about that seems like a dare that you would give somebody on a reality show, so, oh my god, but people are like, oh, it's delicious, and I'm like, you're so wrong, but okay, it's fine, so, like, she's, she actually got a dollar tip from a table, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to look that up. That was, like, $14 that somebody gave her as a tip, and I was like, legit, because I think back then, a sandwich would have been, like, probably, like, 20 cents or something, so 
Somebody giving you a dollar. That's some good shit. Anyway, Nancy is pocketing all the tips because she's going to give them to the frazzled waitress, which I'm like, thank you. I mean, it is good to redistribute the wealth that you are earning. You are not wrong about that. So she goes out to see this guy who's been just chilling on the porch, just drinking sweet tea for a hot minute. And she's like, hey, how are you doing? Like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to clear your table. I'm just going to be gentle about it. But, you know, are you about to head out? And he's like, are you interested in bells? And Nancy's like, in a not at all sort of way, but I enjoy hearing about people's hobbies. So please tell. So he likes to talk about Paul Revere's bells, as one does, which sounds like a euphemism. Um, he's like, there's a triple X bell that I'm super interested in, which again, sounds like a euphemism. Um, so he's like, yeah, there's plenty of bells around here. And Paul Revere, like, there are hundreds of bells that he did in his life. And we've lost most of them. But if you can find them, they're really cool. And, and Nancy's like, uh-huh. Like, just listening in a very polite, like, uh, okay. I mean, sure. She likes to pick up on random trivia about shit. But she also is like, that is not a thing that she's, like, deeply interested in. So she's like, okay, cool. I mean, you know, you do you. It's, it's fine. I like to hear people be enthusiastic about shit. So he leaves after he's like, do you know of any bells in the area? And Nancy's like, I literally just arrived, but thank you for thinking so. Um, and she notices that he has dropped a slip of paper, which she picks up and it says, um, I have hidden jewels. I have embedded jewels into my triple X bell. And Nancy's like, cool, cool. Um, I bet that the dude who was just here dropped this. So I'm going to take it inside. So she takes it inside after the lunch rush has passed. And she's like, okay, um, so dude, just drop this note. If he comes back for it, I'm just going to throw it into this random junk drawer in the office, you know, just, just for reasons. It's fine. Um, so she asked Mrs. Chantry, she's like, so has my, my dad's gotten here, right? Because he was supposed to get here this morning. And Mrs. Chantry's like, I was going to ask you the same thing because he has not arrived. As you know, this is 1946. You have limited options to reach somebody who is AWOL. Like, if they're near a phone, okay. If you can get a carrier pigeon to their current location, also fine. But there, can you drive there? Or, you know, are bicycles involved? There's just not a lot of ways to reach somebody if you're not sure where they are. Because they could be literally anywhere. Um... Carson was supposed to take a plane. He was tracking the people who swindled Mrs. Chantry, and he um, was supposed to take a plane that morning from New York. So Nancy calls, and he apparently did make the plane, they think, but he has not, like, shown his face anywhere. So Nancy's worried because she has no idea where the fuck he is. She knows that he was meeting up with the people who were swindling Mrs. Chantry, which, of course, like, this is bad. Mm-hmm but they're pretty sure that he's probably nearby, but they don't know. So, um, Bess and George see that Nancy's upset because, like, she, she calls her father's office. He hasn't checked in, like, and also her, her father's secretary is also on vacation, which I was like, mm, are they together? Like, that would explain a lot. Um, but no, no, that's not gonna happen until later. You'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, his his regular secretary is on vacation. It's the replacement secretary. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And Nancy's like, I don't love this. I don't love any part of this. I don't know where he is. And I don't know where to find him. And he was tracking down some bad people. And this is bad. And so Bess and George are like, okay, um, there, there's nothing we can do about this. So um, Mrs. Chantry was telling us this story about this cave that apparently is haunted by a ghost. So I'm just saying, um, maybe we should check that shit out. And so immediately, okay, this is after they've been told by several people don't check this shit out. Like people have legit almost drowned checking this shit out. So don't, do not go check this shit out. And they're like, we are going to rent a motorboat and fuck all, fuck all y'all. So anyway, they get in the boat 
as you know, occasionally, depending on the book, Bess is a weak swimmer or a perfectly fine swimmer. In this book, she's a perfectly fine swimmer, just so that you know that. Keep that in your back pocket. Um, so they go up to the cave, which is near Bald Head Island or Bald Head something. I don't remember right now. It's fine. Bald Head something. Um, so they go up there. They find the cave, which the legend says that people see a ghost there and they hear a tolling bell, hence the name of the book. And after they hear the bell, it's like a warning that you need to get the fuck out of the cave because then a lot of water rushes out of the cave and that has been known to drown people. So it's like the ghost is trying to warn people away from the cave or from finding the bell. And you're like, so there's a bell. There was a note about a bell. <laughs> and again, Nancy's picking them. Nancy's like, okay, I've, I've just been talking to this old dude about bells. There's a story about a bell. I'm just going to check it out. I'm just, we're just going to see. So... Um, they managed to get there. They tie up the motorboat. Um, and the cave is, of course, super dark. And, of course, they have a flashlight because they're not idiots like the Hardy Boys. Um, <laughs> that was for you, Marissa. Um, so they go into the cave and they're looking around. And George, of course, is freaked. No, George is not freaked out. Bess is freaked out immediately. Like, Bess doesn't love any part of this. She's like, I'm already not feeling great about this. So they see this man who is kind of sitting over in the corner just like staring off into space and they're like ah and Bess is like I'm leaving I'm leaving but it's just a statue and as they're watching him like a chunk of his finger falls off and they think that it's him moving and so they freak out and, and then Nancy's like no no he's it's okay he's a statue he's a statue and Bess is like I hate this place I hate it I hate it I don't want to be here I don't want to be here and I'm like we are all Bess I I am 100% Bess in all situations yes She's the real queen. Anyway, so she's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then a seal, like, emerges from the water and climbs up on, like, this lo- this rock ledge. And Nancy's like, oh, it's just a seal. It's fine. I'll just chew him back into the water. And George is like, D- do seals bite? Because, which, Buster could have told her. Anyway, um, George is like, I don't know about this. And Nancy's like, I don't, I don't know either. That, that seal's not moving. And Bess is like, fuck this. I am getting back in the boat. I'm getting back in the boat. So she heads back toward the boat. They hear the bell and then they see that the water is rising and they, they can't do anything. So Bess has gotten all the way back to the boat, but she is trying to untie it and she sees what's happening and is trying frantically to untie it. And of course, like she, she's unable to untie it in time. Nancy and George have no time to do anything. Like they just scream at Bess to get out because they, they know that they're, you know, they know they're fucked. So the water comes in and Bess is holding on to the rope. So she manages to hang on to that while the boat is sucked out of the cave and put back into the water, into the ocean. So she's holding on to that. She manages to climb back into the boat. But of course, the motor is now waterlogged and, and the boat's got like a lot of water in it. So she looks in the, inside the boat and she's like, eh, I probably shouldn't be in the boat. I think it'll probably sink if I get on board. So she manages to tow the boat back to shore with her human body, which I don't like. Oh, my God. I, I would have just said, okay, well, you know what? I've fucked up too many times. But anyway, so she's calling out for Bess and George, but she can't, she's calling out for Nancy and George, but she can't hear any, like, she can't hear anybody responding to her. So she decides to just save her strength and get back to the shore. And she's hopeful that by then they will have swum to the shore as well. They have not. They have not. So she goes to the shore. She looks out and she, she does see George. So she goes back into the water and she finds George and George is like, I hurt my arm. 
save yourself. And Bess is like, no, no, hold on to me. We'll, we'll be fine. And George is like, I can't, I can't do it. Oh my God, this is it for me. And Bess is like, no. And so she grabs her in like a, she grabs her in various life-saving carries because as I'm, as I pointed out to you, depending on the book, that de- determines Bess's competency at swimming. And she is ultra competent in this one. So she manages to get George in like a life-saving carry to get her to short, like the tired swimmers carry. I was like, I love, I love this. I don't know. I'm going to have to look all this shit up. So she gets her to shore and George is just laying there and she's like, oh my God. Oh, oh shit. This, this is real, real bad. And Bess is like, have you seen Nancy? Because of course they're, they're like, what the fuck? George's arm got fucked up when she was like, the water just bashed her against the side of the cave. And so she was having trouble swimming because her arm was numb. So she's like, I haven't, I don't know where she is. I haven't seen her. And the girls start crying because they're like, okay, she's dead. Like they just accepted it. They just accepted that she's dead now. So they're looking around, they're calling out for her. They have zero hope that she's actually survived being drowned in a cave. And they see that she's sitting, she's sitting on top of the cave. She's sitting on the roof of the cave, on the upper part of it. But And they call out to her, but she doesn't seem to hear them. And then she vanishes like she's maybe trying to climb down from up there. And that's it. They... They're like, well, maybe she she's going back to the car. Maybe she's going back to the car. So they managed to bail the boat out and dry it off and get back to the the place, the marina. The, anyway, the place where they rented the fucking boat from. And they're, uh, the oars are gone. Like, they, they just, they had to pay for the oars. It's just fucked up. Anyway, they're like, yeah, we've, um, yeah. Has our friend returned? And the dude's like, no. And Bess and George are like, shit. Okay, do you remember in the previous book when they were trespassing and Nancy's car was locked and she had the only key? And they, yeah, now George knows where her spare key is. So I'm like, she learned something. This is amazing. Instead of respawning with none of the memory that she gained, guess what, bitch? She has hidden a key. So anyway, so George is able to get a key to get into Nancy's car and drive it down to the shore, but they, they don't see her. Like, So they end up driving back. Because they're like, I don't, I, we need to get help. We need to help. So, in the meantime, Nancy was sitting on top of the cave, just, just chilling, just trying to f- get her bearings and figure out where the fuck she was. And she passed near something that smelled really sweet, and then she just passed the fuck out, as one does. And she heard, like, little jingling bells, and then she heard voices, and the voices were like, we need to get her away from here. And she was like, elves, elves are are coming to take me away. So the the tiny elves, she imagines, are picking her up and transporting her some distance. She has no idea. Time, space, all is meaningless. And she comes to in a drainage ditch, <laughs> which I was like, that's certainly a choice. The elf voices were like, we can't let her wake up here. No, no, we can't. Um, they don't bother explaining because they're fucking elves. Anyway, as you know, that they're, they're human beings. She's just been like she's she's high on ecstasy like whatever the fuck anyway so nancy wakes up she's like she wakes up kind of sunburned a little i think because of course and she has no idea where she is she's got no water no idea where her friends are no just so she gets up and just starts stumbling down the road she runs across a farmhouse and she's like maybe if i can call and i don't don't know um so she goes up to the farmhouse she they've got some water outside and she's drinking water and so the woman of the house comes to the door and she's like can i help you and nancy's like um do you have a phone and the woman's like no and i'm like it is 1946 y'all you're in the middle of nowhere um, she's like, but I got lemonade. And Nancy's like, uh, no, I just really need to get back to town. So 
Yeah. Um, but thank you. Um, I, thank you for letting me have your water. Uh, do you have a, a way that I could get back to town? Like, it's, are you, are you going to take a trip to town soon? And the woman's like, mm, my, my husband actually just left for town. So, um, and he has the only vehicle and yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, so Nancy's like, okay, well, um, I guess I'll just, can you tell me where I am? And the woman's like, yeah, I can tell you how to get back to where you're going. So Nancy sets off and then she sees her own car on the road and it's Ned, Ned's in her car. And I was like, he has finally successfully stolen her car after so many attempts, after so many years. It's been since 1932, y'all, that he's been trying to steal her car and he's finally got it. Anyway, (laughs) he's got a roadster. So he pulls up and he's like, Nancy! And she's like, Ned, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. So, um, so of course he runs over and grabs her up and Bess and George are in the backseat and they're like, oh my God, you're alive! And, and yeah, because uh, Ned ran into Bess and George because Ned was staying nearby. And I was like, there is no fucking way that Ned was just, quote, staying nearby. Like, that, that ain't shit. They do this a lot in the later mystery stories where Ned just, Ned and generally, like, at least two of his friends who can then double or triple date with Nancy and her friends just happen to be staying in, like, a nearby borough for reasons. I'm like, y'all clearly writing each other and coordinating this shit. Like, just own it. Just own it. Anyway, so he comes over to Nancy and he's like, Nancy, I'm so glad you're safe. And so he hugs her and then um, they're like, okay, let's get back in the car. And Ned's like, I'm going to be in the back seat with this young lady for reasons. And I'm like, because y'all need to, to bang some stuff out. But anyway, so Bess and George get to drive back while Nancy and Ned get to talk to each other. And Nancy's like, have you guys heard anything from my father? She's literally almost just drowned. And she's like, I, what about my dad? And Ned's like, no, no one's heard from him. And Nancy starts crying because this is real tough for her. Like she's, she's trying to suck it up, but this is real tough for her. And Ned comforts her. And I'm like, yes, with various activities to distract her. Anyway, so they get back to the, the boarding house. I guess it's a, No, there's no one else there. I think that Nancy and her friends are just staying there. Anyway, oh my God, and I forgot to tell you that, of course, she, uh, despite the fact that she has just been swindled by a Nigerian prince, she has, of course, a, quote, colored maid who talks in dialect because, of course, she does. Anyway, yeah, I was like, I've got, I've got some notes. Okay, what, you have a, you got swindled out of all of your money, but you're like, but housekeeping is still a place that I've got some money set aside. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so yeah, they get home. Um, Nancy, of course, Nancy, Bess, and George look like they've just been road hard and put away wet. Like a lot is going on with them. They a lot. They crumpled, nasty. Cl- like her clothes are dried in the sun. She just looks like she's been through some shit. So she walks in and like s- the phone rings and Nancy's like, "Oh, it could be my dad." And so she picks up the phone and they're like, "Your father is at the Fisher's Cove Hotel in the next town. Come alone." And Nancy's like, "Who?" And they just hung up and she's like, Ned, because Ned's standing right there. Ned, they they said that my father's at the Fisher's Cove Hotel and I need to come home alone. And Ned immediately says, it's a trap. And I'm like, yes, yes, my child, you are learning. You know, you know this shit. And Nancy's like, well, they, they said to come alone. And I mean, it's the only lead I've got. And Ned's like, if you're insisting upon going, as it appears that you are, then I will follow you in my own car. So Nancy goes upstairs to change. Ned goes to get some gasoline because Ned is on this shit. 
Ned is here for you. Um, and then the phone rings again, and George picks it up, and the person on the other end's like, hello, has Nancy Drew left for the, the stupid hotel yet? And George is like, no. And the other voice, who was apparently a woman, is like, don't let her leave, it's a trap! And George is like, shit! And so Nancy comes downstairs, and George is like, uh, somebody just called and said it's a trap, and Nancy's like, I mean, I kind of knew that, and but I mean, it's the only light I've got, so... So she goes to the next town. She pulls up in front of the hotel, which Ned is following at a discreet distance. Um, she pulls up in front of the hotel and is like, my father would never stay here. This is a shitty place. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Y'all are just so snobby. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so Nancy looks at her and she's like, I don't, I don't love any part of this. So she walks in and she decides to just sit down and observe people for a hot minute. Because when she walks up to, she's like, I'm here to see my father. But she doesn't feel good about anything. Like, she, she get, the vibe of the place is bad. The vibe of the place is real, real bad. This is, like, the kind of hotel that, if I were reading, like, actual hardwall detective novels, this is the kind of place where shit would be going down. Like, some people got to get stabbed with ice picks before the hour is up. So, um, she is supposed to, I think that she knows that there's a doctor involved in this shit. So, this guy walks up to her and he's like, are you Nancy Drew? And she's like, yeah, like, she she, def- she doesn't want to interact with anybody here. She's just real, real skeptical about everything. And the guy's like, well, I'm the daughter taking care of your dad, and he's upstairs. And Nancy's like, uh, hmm, what's wrong with him? And the daughter's like, well, let's let's talk about that upstairs. Let me, let me show you to him. So Nancy doesn't, tr- like, she's like, he looks nice enough, but I just don't like the look of him. So she doesn't love this. And Ned walks in, and this woman, oh, before the doctor walks up to her, this woman walks by Nancy and drops a note in her lap that is like, get away from here, you're in danger. And Nancy's like, mm, shit. And so Ned sees this, because he's not close enough to Nancy to ask what's going on. Um, Ned sees this, walks over, and follows the woman that dropped the, the note to tell Nancy to just get the fuck away from this. So he's gone. Nancy can't, like, make elaborate eye signals at Ned to tell him that this purported doctor is going to take her upstairs to see her dad which who knows what the fuck's gonna happen after that um yeah so nancy the doctor's like do do you need me do you need somebody to vouch for you and vouch for me like is that what is making you hesitate nancy's like sure okay so the doctor walks up to the clerk who is a piece of shit and is like hey who am i and the clerk's like you're dr warren and the doctor's like see and i'm like he confirmed nothing oh my god clearly they could have worked this out before you arrived but nancy's like fine take me to my dad take me to him right now and so dr warren's like okay he's on the third floor let's go and you're like, danger. But anyway, they go upstairs. They open the door. And there's her dad. Like, you were not expecting this, were you? You were expecting a mannequin or possibly a room full of people ready to just abduct the shit out of her. But anyway, no, it's her dad. And he's laying in bed. And he's like, Nancy. And Nancy's like, what the fuck is going on? Why is he like this? Like, she's very upset. Her dad, the inventor of toaster strudel, is not often found in bed just fucked up as a goose. So Nancy's like, what's wrong with him? And the daughter's like... I think that he's had a reaction to something. Like, he he just kind of drifts off into sleep for no reason. He's very lethargic. Um, I've been taking care of him. He insisted that he didn't want to be moved. Um, that's because Nancy was like, why the fuck did he not just get brought to where I am? And, yeah, so Carson's in the bed, and Carson's like, Nancy. And Nancy's like, yes, Dad. And he's like, I needed to talk to you. I've I've been tracking down the, the people who, who swindled Mrs. Chantry. And Nancy's like, yes, yes. And he's like, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they're, I think they might be here. 
but I think I think they got me. And like he passes out, and Nancy's like, "This is the fucking worst." And so the daughter's like, "Look, just hang out with him. Um, you know, if just let me know what you decide to do about his care." And I'm like, "Cool, cool. You're the worst doctor." He just leaves his number with her, and so Nancy's like, "Well, you're getting the fuck out of here. Like that. That's that's step one. This place is shitty." So she looks down. She can't find Ned. She goes downstairs to get Ned so that he can help. She can't find him. Ned, meantime, followed the lady to a beauty salon. And, of course, being Ned was like, I I can't. There are lady things in there. And so he just waits for her to come back out. And she doesn't come back out because clearly she just walked right through and went through the back door. So Ned eventually works up the nerve to open the, the, the door to the beauty shop. And two girls walking by are like laughing because Ned is opening the door to a beauty shop. And I'm like, all of you need to shut the fuck up because Ned's masculinity is having to work real hard to overcome this. So he's like, heck, he murmurs, he murmurs to himself. And I'm like, you are adorable. I love you. Anyway, he walks in and he's like, where's the lady in the flower dress who, who look kind of frumpy? And the proprietor is like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, no one here is here by that name. Uh, Ned goes back to the hotel. The Nobody's there. Nancy's not there. And so he walks in, he barges in, and he's like, where's Nancy? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. He goes, he's like, well, fine. So he goes up and starts banging on doors. He bangs on one door and a guy's like, uh, shut up. The next door that he knocks on, this woman starts screaming. And so, of course, the security people at the hotel, which you're like, so just some guys named Steve, who just happened to be walking by, come up and they're like, the propri- the the ge- the desk clerk who was a piece of shit as you will remember is like get him out of here he's causing a disturbance and Ned's like I'm not leaving until I find my girlfriend and they're like well she's not here just get the fuck out and so uh, when they're trying to wrestle Ned out of the hotel um the this lady comes up and she's like oh yes I saw her leave and Ned's like she left she she was like, maybe she went back to her car. And Ned's like, oh, that, that's a good point. So he goes back, looks at the car, and no, of course Nancy's not there. Of course Nancy's not fucking there. So he goes back to the hotel. He's like, she lied to me. So he's like, he's pacing outside because he's like, if I try to go in there, they're, they're going to start some shit. Um, so Nancy, in the meantime, went downstairs, tried to find Ned. Couldn't find him because, again, nobody has fucking cell phones. Um, went back up to where her, fa- her father's room, and he's gone, and the bed is made, and his luggage is gone. And Nancy's like, what the like by this point she's like am i in a fucking horror movie what the fuck is going on so she goes downstairs and she's like where's my father and they're like "Uh, who and they're like she's like carson drew and he's like i don't have anybody here by that name and nancy's like this we're not playing this game and so she sees ned outside and she's like ned my father is here and they have hidden him and i'm going to just burn this motherfucker down and ned's like we're going to find your dad Oh, oh, it's on now. And Nancy's like, okay, who's in room 301? Or whatever the fucking room number was. And they're like, that was John Smith. And she's like, that's the person I'm trying to find, you dipshits. So they go upstairs. And he's like, well, clearly he's not here. And Nancy's like, well, did he go into another room? And they're like, I don't know. And Nancy's like, do you lock the rooms that are unoccupied? And the clerk's like, mostly. And he's like, then he probably wandered into one. Fuck you all. And so she starts opening doors. And so she finds her her father in the next room that she opens. He is fully dressed and laying on the bed. (laughs) And he's like, oh, hey. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? And her father's like, well, the the maid said she had to clean my room. And and so I came in here and and I just passed out. And Nancy's like, we got to get you the fuck out of here. So she and Ned, Nancy's like, 
go downstairs, start the fucking car. I'm going to bring my fuck. I'm not letting him leave my fucking sight. This is ridiculous. So she takes her dad downstairs. Ned's got the car started. He's like, I'm going to follow you the whole way home. It's going to be fine. Nancy, Nancy's like, what? what is happening? So by the time they get back to the Mrs. Chantry's place, like her father seems to be pretty well revived. It's like whatever, whatever radon was just invading the room seems to have passed. And so he's okay. And that feels like a good place for us to pause, doesn't it? Oh my God. Okay. So after they've gotten Mr. Drew home, he's like, guys, I'm fine. I'm fucking fine. It's fine. Just, just go have fun. Go be children. And so Nancy and Ned, of course, go for a drive. I love that this is exactly one sentence in this book where it's like, Nancy and Ned went for a drive for a few hours and then they came back and decided to have some dinner. And I'm like, I want to know everything about that sentence. Where did y'all go? And how many times did you do it? But anyway, so so Nancy and Ned are going on dates and everything. Um, Ned also suggests that he's got this friend nearby because Ned has friends everywhere because he's like a fucking member of a secret society or some shit. And he's like, I've got this chemist friend who is in like the next town who can look at the cosmetics and tell us what's actually in them. So Bess provides a sample of what she's got. And she does say, and yes, this is not cool. She's like, yes, I've been gypped. And I'm like, oh, honey, like, I know that's still bad though. Anyway, so Nancy turns over the samples to the chemist and the chemist is like, yeah, this is like actually the lipstick that somebody gave to also test from that same line. He was like, yeah, that would actually be dangerous on human skin. Um, the, the powder that Bess had, it was like rice powder with some talc mixed in. I mean, it's not going to do anything, but it's also not going to do anything. And the perfume is like just mostly water. And Bess is like, I spent a lot of fucking money on this shit. Anyway. So she's not happy about that. They go back to the cave, of course. Um, they have been warned that they cannot go into the cave again because of reasons and almost drowning. And also, um, both Bess and George saw a figure in the cave um, that was robed in white robes. And so Nancy did not see the person. But they were both like, oh, there's there's a thing here. And of course, Bess was like, it's a ghost. And George was like, it's a person pretending to be a ghost. And Nancy's like, probably the latter. Um, that's kind of... So they actually invite the dude who is collecting bells. Now, the reason that dude knows about this jeweled bell is that apparently his father or grandfather found it and had it at his foundry because he also was a fan of bells and that he would pour a lot of them. And this little guy named Grumper, and when I say little guy, I'm like, the book is like dwarf-like. So we're going to go with Short King. Short King Grumper, um, apparently, or his dad, I think it was his dad, um, stole the bell. So that's how A.H., who was the old, old bell-obsessed dude, that's what he goes by. He goes by A.H. He's like, don't talk to me by my last name. And I'm like, I want to know everything about that as well. Was there a stepfather situation? What is happening? Because he seems very proud of what his dad and his grandfather did, but he also doesn't want to be referred to as Mr. Hendrick which Nancy continues to do because she cannot remember. Um, anyway, so Mr. Hendrick, let's just go ahead and just throw some on it. Um, yeah, Mr. Hendrick goes to the cave with them, admits that he cannot swim. And when he hears the bell, because Nancy's like, I mean, you're a bell enthusiast and a bell. He's like, oh my God, yes. And he tries to get out of the boat. And the girls were like, do not get out of the fucking boat. What is wrong with you? We will go check shit out. So Nancy wants to go up to the top of the cliff because remember, that's where she had her fainting incident. Um, so she wants to check out what's going on up there. When she goes up there, she finds like this abandoned shack with like moldy food on the table. It looks kind of creepy to her because it's like somebody just was about to eat a meal and just got raptured. It's weird. 
So she looks around, she's like, spooky, okay. But there's nothing else, like, that seems to be going on with it. It's just that that's the location near which she was drugged and carried off. And she still doesn't quite understand what the fuck was happening there. Um, Bess and George are also exploring, too. And George manages to wrench her ankle by getting her foot caught between some rocks. And so Nancy's like, oh, well, we should go back to town. And so she looks over and dipshit, Mr. Hendrick, is just motoring off into the distance. Like, he has abandoned them and is just peaced out. And so Nancy's like, oh, okay. So she heads down the hill, ends up at the same farmhouse that she was at before. And she's like, hey, so funny story. I keep getting lost here. Um, Cool. I see that the truck's outside. And the um the husband's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, get in the car. It's fine. Let's, I'll take you to town. So Nancy gets back to town. She manages to get, like, the... She goes to the marina, and he's like, yeah, the dude returned the boat like an hour ago. And Nancy's like, did he say anything about being a dipshit? And the guy's like, no. And Nancy's like, okay, cool. So she goes back out there and rescues Bess and George because, of course, George wasn't going to be able to walk that far on her ankle anyway. So anyway, so they get back. Um, she, uh, Nancy decides that she wants to talk to her dad, who has finally recovered from his incident. Um, and she's like, so what's what's the haps what's been going on with the case and so her dad's like i've been trying to find harry tyrox because that's really easy to pronounce who is involved with the moncur cosmetics and nancy's like moncur really um i've got a funny story for you so they figure out that moncur is the cosmetics line that mrs chantry was investing in that she bought stock in that which they're pretty sure is worthless um so like, all this seems related. They're, they're trying to sell the cosmetics locally. Um, apparently, she was given some really nice-looking stock reports and some, like, celebrity endorsements that had clearly all of it's been forged. And so, she was like, yeah, we, like, all this this high rate of return and blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, that was absolute bullshit. That Nigerian prince. Just, they were Nigerian princing you. Um, yeah. So, just, just soaking that. Um, so, yeah. So they need to find the woman, but the woman is, like, nowhere to be found. Every time they get close to her, like, she, she spots them and runs off. Like, they they don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, yeah, so Nancy and Ned decide to try to track her down if they can. Um, they don't... They're not able to find her where she is. They run into... Later in the book, they run into the girl who got all dolled up, remember? And then her mom was like, you stole my daughter, you stole my daughter, all this bullshit, and, and just yelled at Nancy for like 15 straight minutes. Um, yeah, they see her, Nancy and Ned see her, the, that little girl, and she's walking down the side of the road wearing this like real, real intense short red dress with some rhinestone high heels, and they're like, have you made some choices about your lifestyle that we were unaware of? And the girl's like, I'm selling cosmetics with, with Madame, and she, I'm gonna be, like, the before and after, like, she's gonna make me up and sell things to people, and she's giving me $30 a week, which, um, I ran that through the inflation calculator. That is over $400 per week, which means she's making over $1,600 per month, and I was like, girl, I get it. So, she tells Nancy and Ned that she's supposed to do a demonstration in front of a hotel with Madame that night, and she's walking it, she's hoofing it. And so she, um, she actually makes it to the hotel that night because Nancy and I are like, really? So they make it to the hotel that night and she's there, the girl's there. And she's like washed her face with all the makeup and everything. She's wearing a plain outfit, but Madame is not, Madame is not at the hotel. And 
the girl, Minnie, waits for like 30 minutes. And finally she's like, she's not coming. This is bullshit. And Nancy and Ned are like, yeah, that, that really sucks. I thought that she was supposed to be here. We wanted to see her for reasons that involved arresting. Um, so the girl's like, well, I'm going to go to her house. And Nancy and Ned are like, you know where she lives? Let's drive you. So they get in the car and drive her, but she gave her a fake address. And so Minnie's like, this is the worst. Fuck. And Nancy's like, well, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Like, I'm, I'm not going to leave you on the side of the road. Like, where are you going to go? And the girl's like, I, I've got nowhere to go. Like, if I go home, my family's going to fucking horse whip me. Like, she legit says, they're going to horse whip me. And Nancy's like, um, like, maybe we can all go together and we can kind of tell her what happened. And like, maybe they'll be okay with it. Like, I, I don't want you to be out here. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So, they take her back to her house, and she gets nervous, and Nancy's like, well, just, just go inside. I'm sure they'll be happy to see you, and the girl's like, no, no, you need to come in with me. Remember, her mom gave Nancy a raft of shit at the beginning of this book, so Nancy walks in with her, and she's like, yeah, she, um, yeah, she, sorry, and Minnie had been, like, willful and, and wanted to get away from the house for a while, but when she walks in, her parents are immediately like, oh, thank God you're back, like, they reach for her with their gnarled, aged hands, and they're like, you're back, we're so glad you're back, I'm so sorry, and Nancy's like, uh, okay, and they're like, we're so sorry, we'll, we'll be less bitchy, we're, we're sorry, are you okay, and Minnie's like, yeah, I'm okay, and Nancy's like, uh, okay, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go now, so she goes back out of the car, and Nancy's like, I'm, I'm really sorry that today developed into that, and Ned's like, what, you helped out a girl who clearly was in need of it, like, you're a fucking rock star, and I want to have your children, um, <laughs> anyway, so, So Nancy and Ed do a lot of, like, tracking down leads in this one. They're looking for Harry Tyrox. They're looking for Madame. They're looking... uh, They find out that somebody's trying to to tell Mr. Hendrick that he's got the bell and they want to sell it to him, even though it's been stolen and blah, blah. And they're like, this is clearly a trap. They end up going... uh, Nancy and her friends, Nancy and Bess and George, end up going to see a candle maker who apparently has been around there for a hot minute and knows everything that's happened in that town for the past 60 years. And Nancy's like, maybe she's heard of Madame or, you know, maybe she's got some leads since she's got her finger on all the hot button stuff and there's no Twitter. So they go in and um, Mathilde is her name. She's doing candles and she's like, shit, shit, what am I going to do about this? And Nancy and her friends are like, hey, what's up? And the woman's like, hey, I was just doing some new candles and um, apparently the ingredients are shitty. And Nancy's like, oh, well, that I, were they Bayberry? And the one's like, no, actually, my Bayberry one's pulled, turned out. These are just shit. And Nancy looks up and sees that she's got some Encore products in her, like, assembly area. And she's like, oh, is this what you put in them? And the woman's like, yeah, like, I tested out what she had. It was fantastic. So I bought a, a bulk purchase of it. And this is just, uh, none of these candles have turned out. This has been real shitty. And Nancy's like, so funny story um the people who did this are evil and um yeah they've been swindling a lot of people so nancy finds out from her that she bought stock just like mrs chantry did and some of her friends bought stock so nancy goes back later and she asks all those people like if they have any leads about it and all of them are like devastated because they're like that was my college education plan for my son that was my life savings like i've Oh no, like they're, they're all devastated by this. And Nancy's like, okay, class action lawsuit. So cool. I'm just going to write down all your names. We're going to be real optimistic about this. Actually, that never really resolves. 
I mean, I'm, I think that probably at the end of it, they're made to pay restitution to all the people that they swindled, but anyway, um, yeah, so, um, Nancy is, Nancy's father gets a lead and he has to go to New York, um, Nancy is at home, um, I can't remember exactly why she decided, I guess she was just hoping that her father would come up with some leads or something, but she decides that she's going to stay home that night, and all of her friends are out, and she, somebody comes and knocks on the door, and they say, your father sent me to, to, you need to come with me at once, and Nancy's like, no, fuck you, no, I'm not coming anywhere with you, you are lying, and the guy's like, well, fine, just keep your nose out of business, it's not yours, and Nancy's like, and he actually comes at her, and she runs back into the house and locks all the doors. Which, sensible, she ain't armed. Um, but the guy, like, he, he, like, goes up to the house and looks menacing for a minute, and then he just gets back in his car and speeds off. And so Nancy goes out there, and she sees that the car, the tire pattern is, of course, distinctive. And she sees that he's dropped a bundle of something, and that it's a, like, package of labels from Encore products, and it's got, like, a little sketch on the outside of three bells. And so she's like, mm, this all seems related. All seems related to my case. So she goes back inside, and she's trying to figure out what to do um, because she wants to follow this dude. And um, Ned comes by. And so she calls out to Ned and leaves a note for her friends and then leaves. But the note, of course, immediately gets blown off the desk where she leaves it onto the floor and under the couch. So there's they can't they don't see a note. They're out, remember. They're, they have not come back yet. Nancy goes out with Ned. They are trying to find the, they're following the tire tracks because Nancy's like, I've got a feeling that this person's involved in my mystery based on everything that's happening. So Nancy and Ned go get in the car. They go out and they follow the tracks to a print shop. They walk in and dude is running that print shop. It's like 11 o'clock at night. Dude is, dude's got a lot of shit to do. So he's running the print shop. And Nancy and Ned walk in and basically sneak up on the poor guy because printers are loud, y'all. Print shops are loud. So they come up and they're like, we were thinking about having some stationery printed at 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, I would have gone with wedding invitations to our secret elopement, but okay, it's fine. Um, so the guy's like, um, I'm, I'm full up. I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm printing a lot of shit for the Moncore people. And Nancy and Ned are like, tell us everything. We are deeply interested in that. So they find out from him that apparently they're th- talking about changing the label to Sweet Chimes instead of Moncore because, of course, like... Carson Drew, the inventor of Toaster Strudel, is onto this shit, so they need to change the name so they can swindle some more people. So, they find out about that. Um, Nancy's like, do you know where he's staying, this man who is ordering all these labels from you? Just asking. And he's like, it's York something? It's not New York, it's it's York something. So, Nancy goes out of the car and she's like, with Ned afterwards, she's like... There's a place called Yorkville. Let's go there. And Ned's like, it's like a midnight. And Nancy's like, I've got a hunch. I've got a hunch. <laughs> so anyway, they go out to Yorkville. They go out to all the hotels. They don't get any leads. So he's not the Tyrox. is not registered under his own name, which who can blame him? It's a weird name. Anyway, they go to all the hotels that they can possibly find. Um, in the meantime, a huge storm has blown up, of course. Um, when Nancy's friends get home, they find that Nancy is not there. They do not find her note. And it it's then, like, they they keep waiting up for her. And then it's, like, 2 o'clock in the fucking morning. And Bess is like, where is she? Like, do you think that she found a lead? Do you think she's fallen? So, like, what the hell do you think is going on? So then they actually find the note miraculously. And Bess is like, oh, she's with Ned. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And did they elope? And I was like... 
My heart grew three sizes that day, dear reader. Oh my God. Oh my God. Thank you, Bess. Thank you for that. Anyway, so Bess is like, maybe, uh, she's like, this is seriously not like them though. This is not cool. They keep, uh, the phone like rings, but there's no one on the other end because clearly like the storm has knocked out the phones. And so Nancy has been trying to call home from everywhere that they've stopped and she can't get it through because of course the phone lines are fucked up. So they're heading home and the, the rain has fallen in like buckets and it's like, we, we got to pull over until this storm passes. Like, the windshield wipers are doing nothing for this, and this is real bad. And I was like, yes, two people alone in a car together on a rainy night. They can't go anywhere. What, uh, what could they possibly do? Anyway, so he's slowing down to pull off the side of the road when they get rear-ended from behind. And somebody, like, after that, they have a flat tire, and the rear bumper is, like, shoved in, up into the car. It's just bad. Anyway, so the the car is disabled. The person, the person, the people behind them, because, again, this is 1946. Seatbelts were not really a thing. Um, the, the driver behind them is, like, slumped over the steering wheel, and whoever else is in the car, like, just moves him over and drives the car off so that they don't have to deal with the fact that they fucking rear-ended Ned's car. And it's like, this is real, real bad, so fuck so they manage to flag somebody down and they get taken back to the house and and they're all like what happened what happened and ned gets permission to stay the night and i'm like hell yeah he did y'all had some banging to do and that was interrupted so anyway yeah ned's Ned's taking a lot for the team in this one y'all he's just taking a lot um let's see the net, I mean, they keep they keep looking for leads on the case. They they go out and they interview the people who got swindled. They they try to see if they can find anything about what's going on. The the Moncour people. Uh, Carson comes back. The the lead that somebody said that maybe he would be able to find somebody that it hasn't panned out. Like he can't find anything about that. So Nancy has some theories about the cave. Um, it was apparently a pirate hideout, and so she's like, okay, so it makes sense that maybe there's some treasure in there, maybe, like, apparently they were using it to communicate with other gang members or what the, whatever the fuck, pirates, it's just pirates, pirate shit. Um, so Nancy's like, I feel like there's some stuff going on out there. There's this little dude who comes into the tea shop and always, and has terrible table manners. This is how you know that he's a villain. Um, he has terrible table manners. He always orders food for his, quote, wife, that's what they're assuming, and the one of the waitresses is like, I don't like him. He reminds me of a little elf. And Nancy's like, a little elf. Yes, yes. And so she goes out there to where the, the cave top, remember, where she passed the fuck out because things. And she goes up to the little cabin and she's like, okay. Because she's talked to some other people about like the cabin. And apparently it was a family named McGuire that lived there. And the the older couple passed away the younger couple was living there the son and his wife and they had an adopted daughter who like was just wild and ran off and married some dipshit and just and so now they're gone and anyway so nancy's like i don't know i've uh, like somebody has clearly left the cabin in this state for a reason like you don't leave moldy food on the table if you know that something feels not quite right about this so uh, she goes with George because Bess is like, I am not going anywhere near that fucking cave again, so I will not be joining you on this. Just just saying. So, so they go up there. Nancy and George are in there. They're looking around, and Nancy finds a family Bible that has like a thick coat of dust on it, and she opens it up and sees that Amy, the adopted daughter, married somebody named Slocum. And Nancy's like, that's the name of the dipshit clerk at that hotel, motel, piece of shit place where my dad was being held captive so 
this, uh, every, it's, uh, the plan is all starting to come together. And so then they hear somebody from the doorway saying, step, put your hands up. Don't turn around. And Nancy manages to spot the person behind them in a mirror. And it's the little dude. And she can't see any weapons in his hand. So she's like, all right, I'm just, okay. And then she puts her hands up and then she's like, karate chop. And so she knocks him the fuck out. Um, and he's laying on the floor and the girls like overpower him with no problem. And they're like, who sent you? What are you, what's going on? What, what's happening? And the little dude's like, you're crushing me. And so they, um, they take the belt off of George's dress and tie his legs together with it. And they're like, all right, let's continue with the questioning. <laughs> Anyway, so he manages to trip off this little bell signal to somebody. Like, they hear this gong sound from beneath them. And Nancy and George are like, shit. Well, shit. Then Ned comes up because Ned, at all times, has planted a GPS tracker on Nancy's car. And he is ready to offer his services at any moment. Anyway. So... Um, he's like, hey, what, what's going on? There's a little dude. And Nancy and George are like, can you please take him to the police station? And Ned's like, what, what are you two going to do? And they're like, we're going we're gonna to explore some more. And Ned's like, please, I, I don't, can, can you wait until I get back? And Nancy and George are like, not really, but go, go take the little dude to the police. So Ned does not want to, but he takes the little dude to the police. Uh, Nancy and George keep looking, and Nancy's like, he told us to walk forward, but there's just a wall here. So she, like, looks, and it's all fishing nets, and she finds a secret door behind it, which goes down to this little tunnel. Um, and then they hear two people talking, like, oh, well, we need to we need to make sure that we get all of our operations in order or whatever. So underneath the house, underneath the tunnel, between the tunnel and the cave, there's this little, like, hollowed-out workroom, and that's where all the perfume is being made. That's where all the Monker perfume is being made. It's also where they're making the weird, like, chloroform-type substance that Nancy keeps getting knocked on her ass with, and that Carson was knocked on his ass with. So, um, Nancy goes down with the flashlight. Um, George gets nervous and follows her down there because she's trying to figure out what's going on, and at that point, the workshop has been closed and there's, well, the workshop has had the chloroform stuff put in it. So George walks into, like, it's very dark in there and she, she finds a candle. Of course, the candle blows out almost immediately. So she's in pitch blackness. She can hear the guys talking, but she can't see them. And so one walks by her in the darkness and she manages to hide from him. So she goes into the workshop, the, the chloroform gets her and she's like, oh shit. So she manages to get out in time and go and take deep breaths of the freshest air she can find so that she recovers herself. But she can't find Nancy. And when she gets out, she finds that the door to the hidden passageway from the cabin has also been closed and there's no way for her to open it from that side. So she's kind of stuck. Um, Nancy, in the meantime, is in the workroom with the fumes. And so she she's knocked on her ass again. She had crawled under a bench to to hide and listen to what was going on and then the and then she got knocked out so she manages to get she's she sees enough to see that a guy like was tugging a bench aside to get underneath it so she goes to that same bench lifts it up and there's a tunnel that goes to the cave and she can't go the other way so she decides that she's gonna go that way um she overhears grumper Short King Grumper, who was down there in the tunnel, he's he's got the bells. He's got the bells that A.H. has been looking for, that Mr. Hendrick, that dipshit, who later on when they run into him, he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I had, a pr- I had an appointment, and I could not wait for you guys to get back in the boat. And Nancy's like, that was still really fucked up. Like, wh- what the fuck? You're making bad choices. Anyway, yeah, he's he seems nice, but flighty. Anyway, so they apparently... Um, 
Harry Tyrox and Short King Grumper have made an appointment with um, Mr. Hendrick, A.H., to come out to the cave to see the bells and pay for them, but because, of course, like, they're going to do some sort of bait and switch. But Grumper, who has snapped, has decided that he is going to take these bells with him to the bottom of the ocean, and he's going to take A.H. with him. Nancy, of course, is interfering with this because when A.H. comes into the, the mouth of the cave and he's like, you have the bell, and Short King Grumper is like, it's right here. He he also was wearing the ghost robes at the beginning of this scene, but he ripped them off because you know what? He got shit to do. So Nancy hears the old flighty dude and she's like, no, you got to leave. The tide is rising. We'll all be murdered. And Grumper sees her and is like, how dare you fuck up my plan? So anyway, the three of them are trapped in the cave together. The water is rising. They're going to be drowned. Like Grumper... Uh, Nancy's like, Un- unlock the door, the-, the door right here. Unlock the door to get to the workshop. And Grumper's like, I threw away the key, bitch. So we're all going to die here. He's like, you're young and pretty, and I did not mean to involve you in this, but we're all going to die here. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? Like, for the first time during this scene, she's like, oh, shit, we might actually die. Um, and then she goes to the door, and she's, like, pounding on it, hoping that somebody hears her, hoping that, like, George will hear her or something. And she hears something from the other side of the door, and she's like... Maybe they're asking, the bench, lift up the bench, lift up the bench. And so, like, eventually the door does actually open. And, of course, it's all chloroformed to hell. But so the person who is opening it has a gas mask on. And you're like, yes, perfect. And it's Ned. Because, of course, it's Ned. Who else the fuck would it be? Anyway, so Nancy scrambles up in there. She's like, get the old dude. And so Ned goes down there and, like, picks up old dude and short King Grumper and gets them all out of there. So Nancy's like, how did you... Oh, my God, you saved me. And it's like, well, George is the one who, like, flagged us down. And, and like, and Nancy's like, but you were the one who legit saved me. And that's like, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. Um, Anyway, so he got everybody out of there. And Ned, after he took short dude, other short dude, to the, the police station, he came back with the trooper. And the trooper had the ass mask. Because, of course, the trooper had a gas mask. I, I mean, I, sure. Maybe he was a vet and it just felt natural for him to have a gas mask on him at all times. I do not know. I don't know. Anyway, there was also another scene in this before this, because you know me and I can't keep shit straight, um, that Nancy and Ned went up to explore the cave and Nancy got chloroformed again. And she was like, oh, I have the vapors. And Ned like picked her up in his arms and was like, I will carry you down to the beach in my big masculine arms. And I will take you home so that you can rest. And Nancy was like, I mean, yes, I can't argue. Um, and then she ran up four flights of stairs without pausing because she was just testing. She was like, am I, am I coming? Am I a fainting goat? What is happening? So clearly it was because she'd been chloroformed. Um, anyway, yes. Yes. I love them. I love them so much. Anyway. Okay, so they go back, and uh, they have found Madame, and so Nancy has to go identify her out of a lineup. They do it act, they do not contaminate the lineup. I'm very proud of them for doing this. Are they still contributing to the car serial state? Yes. Does, do they not taint the lineup? Also, it was fine. They don't taint the lineup. So they actually get people in there who look, like, all about the same, and Nancy walks in, and she looks at each of them in turn, and she's like, it's that one. She's the one. Like, it's in good lighting. They don't, they don't fuck it up. And Carson's like, that was a clean ID. Yes. And of course, as they walk out of there, the woman Nancy identified is like, you, you did this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you. And Nancy's like, that's proving the point. Not a trace of a French accent. Because of course, when Americans are going to fuck up, they're going to pretend they're foreign. It's a false flag operation the whole time. It was capitalism all along. Anyway, so 
She's been captured. Um, they managed to pick up Harry Tyrox like later on that day because after they capture her, they're like, "Oh yes, she went back to Candleton," so that Harry Tyrox will be caught there. Um, so yeah, they find him. He had been just swindling people left and right, selling them false stock in this company that didn't really exist, etc. Um, after the resolution of everything, after everybody's been captured, and Short King Grumper, who was like. Well, your grandfather swindled my grandfather. And A.H. is like, that is not how any of that happened. And also, like, let's just not be psychotic and try murder-suicide pacts. Let's just, let's just move on from that. Let's, yeah, let's just get past that. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, um, they find out that the, the person, the old lady, you remember, who kept helping Nancy, just, like, low-key casual shit happening, like, dropping notes into her lap, that was Amy, the estranged daughter who went off and married the dipshit. She was like, I'm, I'm not cool with any of this. Like, this ain't good. This ain't good. Um, she, she was like, y'all going too far. Um, it turns out that Madame met Carson's plane in the cab and she managed to she managed to wrangle into the same cab with him and so she broke a bottle of the like chloroform perfume and like spilled some on his lapel so that's why he like could not get the fuck up for like four days or however the fuck long they did this anyway because at one point um carson smells bess's perfume and is like that smell and bess is like i'm so sorry and he's like no no that's that reminds me of when i passed out and so nancy's like ah ah so yeah um, at the very end of the book, after all all resolution has happened and everything's fine and uh, everyone who deserves it has been apprehended, and Carson actually has a federal case, so he left before everything was resolved. And Nancy was like, "I I fixed it," and Carson was like, "Girl, I know I knew you had this. I knew you had this," and I'm like. Carson got knocked on his ass in a shitty, hardball detective novel hotel for, like, three days. But it's fine. It's fine. Anyway. It was probably more like a day and a half. Anyway. And Nancy had to pay the fucking bill for it. Like, the doctor, who I still have doubts about, who does not appear anywhere else in this story, was like, I mean, you need to pay me for my time. And Nancy's like, that seems legit. And I was like, none of this seems legit, though. She was like, why is he not in the hospital? And I was like, exactly. Maybe put him in a hospital gown that's not drugged with chloroform. I'm just saying. Anyway, so after all this, Nancy's talking to Ned and she's like, well, let's, you want to go somewhere with me? And Ned's like, uh, 100% with bells on, literally and figuratively. Um, so they decide to get back up to the cave because Nancy's like, I'm pretty sure that the only time that it's dangerous is at high tide. There's also a point in this when she's exploring the, she's exploring the top of the cave. Like she's trying to see if she can find where the water's coming into the cave because she wants to confirm this high tide theory. Um, when this old fisherman is nearby and he sees her and he's like, the high tide's about to come in, bitch. You need to, you need to go. And Nancy's like, I'm, I'm fine. But of course he can't hear her. And so he fucking throws his fucking net over her and tries to snatch her ass up. And he is not powerful enough because Nancy's a big girl. And so he like tries to drag her up and Nancy's like, this, if he drops me, I am going to die. Like, this is real, real bad. So, anyway, so he manages, she grabs a tree branch and, like, manage, they managed to get her up there. And she's like, I knew what I was doing. And he was like, well, you young people nowadays with exploring caves that might drown you. <laughs> he, like, he lights a pipe that he conveniently has at hand just to deliver his tirade. Anyway, it's fine. So, Nancy wants to go back up there. And that's like, well, you, you found the bell. And Nancy's like, 
Yeah, we found the bell that AH was looking for, but we didn't find the bell that everybody hears when, like, the warning bell. And that's the one I'm curious about. She's like, maybe uh, maybe there was a boat wreck. Because people are like, oh, it's the ghost of this guy who had a bell on his ship and drowned. And so that's why we hear the bell and, and we see a ghost at the cave. And, and no one wants to, like, look too hard at it because, of course, they don't want to die in the cave. So Nancy goes in the cave with Ned at low tide. And she finds a tunnel between that seems like the right tunnel where water would wash through. And she puts her arm like way back into it and she pulls out a bell and it's a Paul Revere bell because of course it fucking is. And so Ned sees it and he's like, Oh my God, that that's pretty fucking cool. And Nancy's like, I know, right? Like, and that's like, you should keep it like, Hey, who's going to say shit to you about it? And Nancy's like, well, I mean, I know the age is really, he's really into this shit, but he also said that, you know, I deserve a little something. And that's like, exactly. You do deserve a little something. And then Ned is like, you know, this case about Moncur, well, you've been stealing some Moncurs. And Nancy's like, you are adorable. Oh, my God. And Ned's like, you know, maybe we should go somewhere after this. And Nancy's like, yeah, we need to find another mystery. And Ned's like, you know, the the biggest mystery of all is why whenever I talk about anything other than mysteries, you change the subject. And Nancy just smiles and walks off into the sunlight. And you're like, that's right, bitch. Y'all are secretly married. And... Ned wants to make it public, and Nancy's like, maybe later. I don't know. It's fine. Anyway, so in this book, what do we learn? Absolutely nothing. Uh, People pretend to be foreign when it serves their interests, which is being dicks. Um, Otherwise, they're completely fine with looking all American. Um, Carson is very trusting of people when he really shouldn't be. Um, Ned is always here in a pinch, wearing a fucking gas mask, and here to save your ass. Like, oh my god. Like, Seriously, at the end of this book, when it was a person in the gas mask, I was like, well, it's going to be like a, an official person. But no, it was Ned. Ned is here for you in all ways, in all ways. They're like, it's Ned's last day in Candleton. And I was like, bitch, y'all know he's going to be there as long as Nancy is. He will find reasons. But anyway, so that's what we learned in this book. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I need to look at the next book. I think the next book is going to be Old Album. I'm pretty sure that's the next one because I'm pretty sure there's some Nancy Ned content in that book. So that's what we'll pick up with next time just chock full of racial stereotypes so i mean as everything else thanks thanks capitalism anyway stay sleuthy my friends